Before we get started today, I want to give two huge thank yous and shout outs and just endless love to two lovely people. The first is Amy at Sweatin' for the Future. You can find her on Instagram. She has bought us some coffees, as always, details in the break and how you can do that. And a huge thank you to Sarah at Sarah's.keto for becoming a supporter of us on Anchor, which we didn't even know was a thing. So thanks, Sarah, for supporting us and opening our eyes to a whole new possibility of love. Thank you guys so much. You have no idea the effect it has on us when we can say, well, we've got this little pool of money that we can use to like do giveaways and things like that. So thank you so, so much. We love you guys. Can people taste the difference between Lay's Wow potato chips and their favorite chips? Let's find out. <laughs> wow. Wow. You know they're fat-free. Only half a calorie. These are fat-free? Talk to me, stock boy. Wow. Okay, sum it up. Ten words or less. Wow. Wow. Wow, these are good. You know, wow is mom upside down. Bet you can't taste the difference. Bet I can. Take the wow challenge yourself. Bet you can't taste the difference or it's free. What? Today, Liz and I discuss part two, the calorie deception of the obesity code by Dr. Jason Fung. We discuss the Mass Singer UK and a whole lot more today on the Keto Cult Pod. Welcome to the Keto Cult Pod. That's Colin. And that's Liz. Let's get deep into ketosis, trends, and culture. I'm more than ready to do all of that. Oh, me too. I am and so ready. I'm sick, actually. Like, I, I'm oh. so filled to the brim with anticipation that I'm, <laughs> I'm bordering on some sort of physical mm. explosion or implosion. Oh, I hope. Or spontaneous combustion. I hope it's explosion. Oh, do you? Yeah. It would be a big mess. Yes. But that's not why we're here. That's not why you called. Oh, right. How is right. your How's your week going? What's What's new in your little world? My week is good. I started this week off with an extended fast. Uh-huh. How long um, was the extension? I went for, I think it was like 62 hours. Okay. I was aiming for seven days. So just just a little short, but okay. it's fine. I um hadn't extended fast in a while, so it felt good. And how to do you feel? Feet wet again. Um, Damped. I felt great. <laughs> yeah. Damped. Dampened. Damped. Um, Damped. Day two was not great, but overall, I feel good. That's good. Now, but um, it was it was good. It was just like. Uh, I had real life things come up as, uh, as happens, as happens. Um, so, um, I had that to contend with and I just wasn't feeling great and you know, all of the reasons, but that's why we listen to our bodies and we are sure to follow what our body wants and not what our brain is trying to do. And for that, do you have to use like a stethoscope? How do you listen to your own body? What is, what's um, the protocol on that? Well, you put yourself in a deep trance. 
Oh, oh. And then. I just heard Madonna. <laughs> I'd like to put you in a trance. Oh, do I know that song? Erotica. Oh, really? Erotic, erotic. That's all I can say, okay. I think. Yeah, I think I only know yep. that part. Okay. Okay, so that's fine. You know, you can fast any time. And as um, my favorite, well, I guess my second favorite doctor, Dr. Jason Fung would say, you should plan your fast around your life and not your life around fasting. So that's okay. important. Like it shouldn't be, you can literally fast anytime, anytime. You can. It's not going, it's not going anywhere. I'm not fasting at the moment, of course. I'm of rocking course. that carnivore challenge, my 30 day carnivore. And how is that? Uh, carnivore, carnivore. Give me carnivore. Ooh, um, carnivore. Give me, give me carnivore. <laughs> it's great. I've, I've, don't think I've actually felt better. Good. I love it. Um, Good. I think currently as we speak with each other, I'm on day 16. Uh-huh. And yeah, I don't know. I just feel great. My mental health is so much better. I had some things happen this week that were hard on my mental brain. A little heavy. A little heavy. But I think that if I had, if it had been last month and I was off keto, I think it would have been, it would have hit harder. That would have been so, catastrophic. It would have been pretty bad. I would have spiraled, yeah. I think. So I'm feeling good. I really yeah. like carnivore. And I think I might make this a regular thing, not just an annual thing. Cool. Maybe like once a season. Yeah, because I definitely want to join you. And it's so inexpensive. Yes. Like I was shocked. So like what have you been primarily eating and spending? Uh, I've been eating a lot of like homemade burgers. I've been eating a lot of sausage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I've been eating chicken, eggs, eggs, chicken salad. Mm-hmm. It's just been wonderful. Just meat and fat. That's awesome. And I've cut out dairy very recently. Oh. And I love it. Wow. I didn't think I would. I thought it would be a struggle. I'm pleased. That's amazing. I've never been able to cut out dairy. Well, there's no time like now. <laughs> <laughs> Except that time I was vegan for three weeks. Oh, well, that's right. And it was the worst. <laughs> It sounds awful. Did you eat the vegan cheese? I I don't think there was. I, the there wasn't vegan cheese back then. Oh, I mean, wow. there probably was, but it was really hard to find. Because this wow. was like 2005 or six. And now so. vegan is everywhere. Oh, I know. There's vegan A's. I, we did have vegan A's back then. Oh, you did. Okay. Um, but I ate a lot of just meatless, meatless meat. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. A lot of Boca, Morning Star. Oh, yes. And then, of course, all my carbs. <laughs> yeah. That's the only way to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's yeah. the only plus to being vegan is you still get carbs. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, okay. I'm so glad you've, you, like, look amazing. Thanks, girl. Thank you. I you look like... fabulous. What are you talking about? Oh. So, moving on from how fabulous and gorgeous and stunning we are, which, yeah. I mean, we could go on for months, I think. Oh, years. I just don't know if there's been a month-long podcast episode before. We can do it, though. Let's do it. We're Guinness? good for it. Do we call Guinness World <gasps> Book of World Records? And just We're the perfect people marathon for podcasting? that mission. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I could do it for days. I, our podcast is already pretty long. They are. We could but... <laughs> definitely do a month-long. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> let's shift gears, though. Let's talk about some keto trends, perhaps. Okay. We are seeing two different things. Yeah. Which is interesting. 
Mm-hmm. It says a lot about our algorithms, I think. I think who so. We, who we pay attention to. Because I'm seeing a ton of egg loaf everywhere. And I have not seen egg loaf. I've like seen at it all. everywhere. Everyone's making egg loaf, which makes yeah. me kind of want to make an egg loaf. But you don't I'm, like egg loaf. Well, but I, I'm always willing to try again. Okay. <laughs> you know? I've been seeing the no-bake cheesecake. Which I have not seen anywhere. That blows my mind. I feel like Who, I've seen Sam do it. These? Okay. Sam, Noelle. Um, oh, I did see hers. There's a few. I don't remember the others. And I'm inspired. I've I already seen... told two people what I plan on doing when I'm off carnivore. Oh, what? It's a no bake cheesecake. cheesecake. <laughs> but for the crust, I'm going to grind up those high key brownie bite. Mm-hmm. Little, mm. That's what I did. For you, did that too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I'm going to do. It's so good. Those high key cookies. Uh, not sponsored, not sponsored. But please but sponsor please, us. please, because I love, you and I both met Haiki last year. Yeah, at, at KetoCon. Keto and they're like delightful people. They're lovely. And they're a great company. And they gave and you sneak peeks that they did not give me. They did. I actually tried the brownie bite last year at KetoCon. Before it was released to the public. Yeah, almost, yeah, like six months before. That's insane. Um, But... It makes a great crust, and I just just I butter, butter, yeah. and some cookie dust. It's sweet enough. It's <laughs> all I it needs, that. and it was it was so easy, so pliable. Um, pliable, right? I love that. Is that a cooking term? I mean, yeah, but I I, I wouldn't <laughs> use that in terms of crust. But <laughs> sure, you know how much I bake. I, yeah. I love a no bake though because no there's bake. no baking. All right, so you're seeing egg loaf. I'm seeing. The cheesecake. Yeah. So we've got to move on to my favorite part of the podcast is when you give your visions, your mm. updates, your Shamil oh. Shamoggles. Yes. Who doesn't love a Shamil Shamoggle? I don't have any revisions okay. that I know of. Uh-huh. No one has messaged me to be like, Liz, you were talking out of your butt. Which, Which I yeah, thought probably. that's what I'm talking with right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you guys saw us on FaceTime face right now, it's just butt to butt. <laughs> just a butt to butt. Oh, um, butt to butt. <laughs> um, oh, so we don't have a revision, but I do have an update. Okay. Um, Jenna Jameson is back oh, on keto, right? Our favorite unicorn. Our favorite unicorn. Uh-huh. Um, so she's back on? She's back on. Okay. And she's like gymming it, ketoing it, living her best life. So I'm very confused, but go on, I'll let you finish your thought. Well, she so she's been posting a lot of her meals recently, and uh-huh. I just want to call it now and have it be recorded. I think she's going to launch something. No. Keto. I do. I think she's going to either like a meal plan, probably not a cookbook. I don't think she'll keto guido it, but I do think she'll launch something keto related. Interesting. I smell it. You smell what the Jenna is cooking. I smell the unicorn. The unicorn. So it was what, like four weeks ago that she said she was going off? <laughs> well, yeah, I think was it was that, November. There? Or okay. early December. She's like, I've been living my best carby life. She regained 25 pounds. And remember, she was like, I don't even think I want to go back to keto. Yeah. I thought she but said then- she was going to do it for a while. Yeah, but then she went back. Now she's back. Hardcore. And it's and working. Shocker. 
And so do you follow her on the gram, I assume? I do. I don't. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> I follow her on Twitter. Okay. Um, but what, uh, how, do, how does she look? Does she look, is she She improved? looks good. She looks like, I mean, I can't really tell. And, you know, you can never really tell on Instagram about people's true. bodies. Who knows? But her, 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 like, skin, like, she has that, like, keto glow. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, I'm, I'm into the glow. keto glow. So, so glow, good everybody. Good for you, Jenna. And I, why do I'm like, I really like her a lot. I don't. I <laughs> loved her on Big Brother, but over in the UK, she was delightful. <sighs> okay. And like, I learned so much about her and the industry she comes from. Uh huh. All of that stuff. Yeah, I really know nothing about her other than her Instagram as of late. Like since going keto, <laughs> I really don't well, know anything. You about have her. her full filmography at home, right? Blu-ray. Oh, oh, no, Laserdisc. Laserdisc. <laughs> <laughs> I have a filmography on Laserdisc. Other than that, all I know is that she's a beautiful unicorn living in Hawaii, living her best keto life. Good for her. She sells her own jeans. Goals. She makes and sells jeans. Um, she so, makes jeans? Yeah. She has her okay. own, like, brand of jeans. Okay. Yes. Um available at on her instagram <laughs> ross like where does she sell her line of jeans she has her own website well i may have to purchase them yeah you you might they're meant to to plump plump the tuckus plump the tuckus as we would say in yiddish <laughs> ah gotta <laughs> us, love yiddish us beautiful unicorns i'm not jewish but i just i'm fluent um so that is that and Speaking of celebrities. Ooh, what a segue, Liz. Uh Yeah, the Mass Singer UK is going strong. It is. And I'm finally caught up. You are. Colin was ahead of me. Now I'm caught up. I've seen episode two and three. Uh Uh-huh. So what are we thinking? I have all sorts of thoughts. Okay. First of all, Uh I want to talk about the stark contrast between US and UK in production. Yikes. Yeah. It's... There's a budget difference for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, something got lost in that dollar to pound translation. <laughs> it did. <laughs> that. But I will say mm-hmm. that I think the judging panel on the UK are better. Even, yeah. Even both. though Ken is on both. I Well, I, spoiler alert, he will not be there soon. Oh. Uh, he's only doing like, the first half of the season and then oh. a celebrity that I... I already know who it's going to be. Oh. We'll fill in for him, but I'll, I'll let that be a surprise. How do you know? How do you have inside information? Um, I'm I'm actually Ken Jong. Oh, oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think the host in the UK is better. I've never been a Nick Cannon fan. Okay. I will give Nick Cannon this: he's very good at moving the show along. Mm-hmm. But I think Joel Dama is just charming, yeah, he's more and, magnetic. Yes. For sure. Um, and the judges have, in the UK, just have, they take it a little more serious, I think, in terms mm-hmm. of their guesses. They're more yeah. logical. That's true. And I appreciate that. Okay. I yeah, and so, I, I agree in terms of production value. Like, some of the costumes are they're just not good. Yeah. Not good. And some like of the staging hand. and choreography is just not there. Like, no. 
Yeah, and even like the um, clue packages are not as well produced. Like, no, they look like they're done in like a closet. Yeah, <laughs> <This is laughs> a bad. closet with lighting, like neon lights <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, it's bad, and I and I feel that some of the clues are very heavy handed. They are, which I actually like. Mm-hmm. Like, if I was watching, like when Irene and I watched the U.S. one, she doesn't get any of the clues. But I think if she watched, if they had that level of clues here, she'd get into it more. That's true. In terms of guessing. So do you have, speaking of guesses, Yeah. are we making some guesses? Are we sharing our thoughts and we can. prayers so, with the pod? Do we want to talk about who's where been on Who do you want to start with? I don't know where to start. Well, we talked about Patsy Palmer uh-huh. last week. Did we discuss yes. the others? No. No. Okay. Well, look, fill me in. Okay. So Who in episode home? two, we mm-hmm. met more contestants. We met Daisy. Fox, Monster, Octopus, Tree, and Pharaoh. Pharaoh. I forgot about Pharaoh. I don't have notes on Pharaoh. Pharaoh was unmasked. Oh, that's right. (laughs) That's That's why. why. Um, Yeah, Pharaoh was, we didn't really know much about him. He was unmasked. Alan Johnson, some kind of politician. Yes. A uh, MP, I think. Yes. And then in episode Member of Parliament. Right. And then in episode three, the chameleon mm-hmm. was unmasked, who was not Morrissey, by the way. No, which was your guess. Um, <laughs> not a real guess. The lead singer of The Darkness. Which is like a very heavy handed. Because literally in the first clue literally. package, he was in front of a neon sign that said The Darkness. And you are a fan of The Darkness. I am not or was. that much of a fan. Oh, I thought you said you were. No. Oh. Well, then I take that back. I mean, they're fine. They had that one song. I believe in a thing called love. That was them? Yeah. Oh, that's a bop. Yeah, it's a bop. 2003. Well, that was that long ago? That was that long ago. That song is from 2003. I believe in a thing called love. Also, Um, his voice is not the same. He's got some... No, he's probably done a lot of drugs. Well, I think he burned through his vocal cords, too, for sure. Singing like that. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) Let's make some predictions. Okay, predictions. Yeah. Let's start with Duck. Okay, Duck. (laughs) (sighs) Hold on. I'm going to lose my mind. I don't know when we went off pod. Come on, noodle baby. What? I don't know when we went off pod there. I'll just oh. say 27 and I'll find it. About 27. Um, we Okay, so we'll start off with, like, let's talk about Duck. Mm-hmm. All right. And... Okay, so let's start with Duck. Okay, Duck. I, I, I love Duck. Mm-hmm. Um, very, so, very clever. Our clues are the Duck has... Sung happy birthday to a legend. Yes. Performed in front of thousands. Um, yes. So far Hundreds she of has, thousands. I think yeah. So far she's like sung kind of like cheesy jams. Karaoke favorites. Yeah. Kind of karaoke jams. 
Um, in the second episode, she sang Living on a Prayer. She's halfway there. Halfway there. Living on a Prayer. Mm-hmm. So, um, one of the biggest clues in the first clue package was, people think I'm very sporty. Sporty. Um, that's not a very manchester accent for Mel C. Oh. But everyone thinks it's Melanie Chisholm of the Spice Girls. Yeah. Which Same. I'm on board with. Yeah. It sounds like her when she talks... And then she was in a sing-off, and she sang Ave Maria, which is the first yes. time I think she really showed her talent. Yeah, because all and the other songs obvious. were very cheesy. Yeah. I think um, she's purposely kind of trying to throw people off with her vocals. Yeah, that makes sense. But we're on to her. And I think everyone is in a general consensus. It's Mel C. But one of my favorite guesses from the judges was Heidi Klum. Which would be hysterical. <laughs> but- and would, like, totally be, like... Would she yeah. do that in response to Seal being on the American Exactly. One? I'll so, get my 15 seconds, 15 yes. minutes, whatever. Okay. okay. So Mel C is a popular guess. We have Queen B. Yes. Who, we talked a little bit about last time. Yeah, and you I feel is no- Nicola Roberts. Nicola Roberts. I'm locking that one in. I don't know who that is. I um, will go with your guess. Okay. You also have a good guess for Unicorn. I do, and I think it's so blatantly obvious. It's John Behrman. Okay, and a lot of the I think the judges think that the internet is saying Mika. That's that's not Mika. It's not Mika. I'm against no. that completely. Okay. Okay, we have. Keep them coming. Um, so we also have Fox. What does the fox say? I have no guess personally for the fox. I I have a weird guess. I don't okay. know. Okay. So we have Street Smart. Used to be a party animal. Mm-hmm. Hung out in the East End, town and country. She seems older. She okay. makes a reference to being a silver fox. One of the judges guessed Helen Miriam. Miriam. Could you imagine? <laughs> imagine. The dame. Helen Miriam. She seems like a little rock and roll. Okay. Like I, just, I get that. She gets gives that vibe. A part of me is like, like a Debbie Harry kind of me or Annie Lennox. Ooh, oh, yeah. I'm like, is is it Annie Lennox? Maybe the internet is saying Denise Van Outen, who I don't know, I don't know, know much about her. She's well known over there, but okay. I don't know too much about her. Okay, so then we have Monster. Yes. What are the clues on Monsters Monster? Definitely from the U.S. Yes, definitely an American. On his head also could be Granny Grammys, <laughs> not Grannies. <laughs> Grannies, <laughs> <laughs> different. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> um, a lot of people are thinking it's CeeLo Green. Yeah, it's the it's about as much of a consensus as Mel C is the duck. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good guess. Okay. Okay, we have Daisy. Yes. I love this. But what are the clues? Okay. Daisy's definitely American. Seems to be a transplant to the UK. Is going to be staying Mm -hmm. there for a while. Okay. Uh, In the clue package, she was in a diner eating pancakes. And um, that was pretty much it, Did I think. Well, I never had a guess. Did you have a guess? I do not have a guess at all for this. The internet has a guess. They're saying Lindsay Lohan. No, they're saying Keyless. Oh. Oh. My milkshake brings other boys to the yard and they're like, you know, that's all I can probably get away with. 
better than you'll okay um which i i would love that that sounds great the diner would make a lot of sense in that situation absolutely the milkshake video was in a diner yeah that's a good guess Mm -hmm. Lindsay lohan is a horrible guess i would die one of the judges said it was it it must have been ken had have been ken i know exactly who this is (laughs) okay then we have i think that's a oh we have did we talk about octopus no, we've got three more. Okay. We get the octopus. Uh-huh. Who is Which, by far the best performance so far. Absolutely. Octopus sang Part of Your World. Yes. From Little the Little Mermaid. Mermaid. And it sounded very theatrical. Yeah. Um, it was beautifully sung. A lot of the clue package had to do with modeling about catwalk, wants to be uh-huh. a role model. Uh-huh. Feels like Naomi Campbell, like a lot of very modely things, but then okay. this person can obviously sing. So I'll start with the internet guess, and then I'll do my guess. Okay. But the internet is saying Courtney Act, or if you're Australian, Cottony Act. Oh. Um, who is a pretty well-known drag queen. Okay. Um, hugely famous in the UK and Australia, and of course here she was on RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm. Um. I think it is, and I would die if this is who it is, Nicole Scherzinger. <laughs> you really? I really do. That sounds like her, and like that would be wow. brilliant. And she is huge in the UK. Like, if you think she's well known here, wow, Kenny, she's a huge star over there. That's Household name. People call her Nicole. When people mm. say Nicole, they know who you're talking about. She's a massive star. That would be a huge like get for them huh. um and one of the judges did guess her i think it was ken yeah, i think it was ken but he's also a producer of the show and i really yeah. think that he knows who everyone is oh interesting yeah, and we have how, some theories how couldn't he get nicole slam them slam a lama ding dong shirts and burger shirt slinger true <laughs> <laughs> okay so then we have tree tree which has been an interesting one Okay, so the clues were might not be pitch perfect. A lot of things about competition. Oh, that just that just rung, rung a bell for me. Pitch. That's what they play soccer on. Uh, they call their field the pitch. Yeah, a lot of. Um, I think some of the, okay. a couple of the judges said footballer. Yeah, footballer. Right, and everyone said Peter Crouch, who is a footballer. Yeah. But he has denied it emphatically on the Twitter. Wow. So, I don't know. I have no guesses. This is clearly a UK sports I'm just going to go with David Beckham. Yeah, well, he well, he doesn't bend it. I'll tell you that. He doesn't bend it. Oh. And we have one final celebrity. Do we? The Hedgehog. Oh, the Hedgehog, yes. You have an opinion. We have, well... You went with a, something the yeah. judges said, and you think it's pretty <laughs> I do. slam dunk? In doing my research, th- I mean, the Phantom of the Opera mask, I feel, is a very heavy clue. Okay. Um, and he used the phrase, have a ball. Right. Michael Ball. You think it's Michael Ball, who is a West yeah. End star. I, I guessed tour. Jason Mans- Manford, who is a mm-hmm. stand-up comedian. But yeah, if, if all that theatrical stuff is... But I don't know if Jason Manford has been on West End. He could very well could have. I just don't know. I don't follow theater very well. Well, I probably am. (laughs) I don't follow theater at all, but I do follow the internet. Oh, you believe what you read. 
Everything. All of it's Every- true. Oh, of course. You can't put it on the internet if it's not true. <laughs> you really can't. There's can. a process. You would be remiss. Uh-huh. I love saying that. Okay, so, so that's where we are with The Mass Singer. That is where we are. How exciting. And next week, we'll we'll talk less because they do less celebrities every week. Yeah, but don't we'll worry. Be... If you're not at all into our uh, Mass Singer coverage, which how dare you? Yeah, get Especially... a room. What? <laughs> we do have a UK audience, so I hope we do. Uh, you are watching this program. It's a good time. It is really entertaining. You know it's a really good time, though? Oh, please tell me everything you think is a good time. Dr. Jason Fogg. Dr. Jason Fogg. Uh, we'll talk about that after the break, I think, right? Uh, do we have to wait that long? Oh, well, just three and a half hours. Oh, okay. I was going to go watch a movie. <laughs> we do have a lot of Oscar films to watch still. So. We still yeah, we do. Let's go knock some out and then we'll come back. Okay, we'll be back uh, <laughs> right after this. Level with me. Be honest. Did you go to Starbucks today? I bet you did. How much you spend? $7? $8? Girl. What if I told you you could get a cup of coffee for much less? For $3? There's just one problem. You can't drink it. But it would really help Liz and I. If you want to help us keep this podcast rolling, well, unfortunately, it does take a little bit of money, and we would really love your help. And I, yeah, I'm here I am. I'm pandering for your money, honey. Sorry. That's what I got to do sometimes. If you want to help us out, it just costs $3. Just donate us a cup of coffee. Follow the link in our bio for details. Welcome back, Liz. Welcome back. You know, it's been a minute. How was the film? Uh, it, it didn't live up to the hype. Oh, they never no. do. I hate when that happens. And you you watched TMNT 2? I watched... Best Picture nominee, The Room? Oh, The Room, yep. <laughs> <laughs> the Room. Oh, Lord. Okay, we have something to discuss today. Do we ever? Unfortunately. Unfortunately. This is not the one... <laughs> This is not one of the parts of the book I'm looking forward to discussing. Well, it's it's pretty heavy in the mathematics and the science. And the science and the the medical list. It's it's a lot to distill, but we are here to do it for you, dear listener, in Australia Uh, or UK. Pakistan. Pakistan, Qatar, wherever you may be. Oh, Qatar. I saw there's Qatar. There's a Qatarian. Uh Uh-huh. is that what they, is that is that their 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 what do they call that? Uh-uh. Their nom de place mm-hmm. or nom de place? Mm-hmm. Nom, yeah, nom de plume. <laughs> <They're booking. laughs> oh my gosh! My- so <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're looking at part two of the obesity code by um, Dr. Jason Fung. Uh huh. Resident doctor. Oh, wait, is, does he have a residency? Um, he does. He does in my house. <laughs> oh well. Um. Does Boo Boo know about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's like a thruple kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. He's on the list. Okay, good. Um, and it, <clears throat> it's the calorie deception. Yeah, so part two starts with um, talking about calories in, calories out, and the calorie deception. And what a deception it is. Which is a very dangerous deception. Mm, I mean, deadly, even. In the... So this is where he starts to talk about all the false assumptions built into it. Right. Which I 
okay maybe i'm just a jerk but i just thought a lot of these were kind of like common sense oh yeah but like because like a calorie of sugar wouldn't be the same as a calorie of kale kale sure like it just that just seemed like common sense to me no people i mean the whole theory of calories in calories out is a calorie is a calorie apparently all calories are created equal that was one of the assumptions yeah assumption five as a matter of fact all right, we'll start with okay, one. Okay, so now. let's go through them. <laughs> yeah, let's let's go back in time. <laughs> now let's take it back. Um, take it and back that now, starts y'all. with <laughs> assumption one. Calories in and calories out are independent of each other. Mm-hmm. So this assumption um, is that uh, decreasing calories in triggers a decrease in calories out. The end result is minimal weight loss. And that is correct, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know where my brain is with on this one. On this one, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, this assumption is a crucial mistake. That's what he so, says. Um, <laughs> basically, this assumption is like the two aren't linked. Like, right? You know, you can increase your calories and decrease your cal and increase your calories out but your body can he'll get there but that's basically what no. it is okay. okay assumption two basal After a great start <laughs> basal metabolic rate is stable which again i thought was common sense that it wouldn't be right because total energy expenditure is the sum of basal metabolic rate thermogenic effect of food non-exercise activity thermogenesis Excess post-energy oxygen consumption. Like, there's so many variables um, that total energy expenditure can go up and down by as much as 50%, depending upon the caloric intake, as well as other factors. So, you know how, like, um, I guess, fit well, Fitbit, any kind of fitness tracker, when it, like, tells you... Based on your body, it's basically based on your body weight. I think it, they, mm-hmm. there's, I don't know, what other criteria do you give it? I guess your activity level. Height, your yeah, height, your weight, your age, your gender. And it spits out how many calories you can eat in a day. Yeah. To burn how like base. Right. Has that, that ever but, worked for anybody? I, has anyone tried that? Yes. <laughs> I know I have. Okay. Because I, so I you was can, a long-time calorie hunter, and I would go by those Fitbit calories. and. So what you would do is, what you're saying is, so Fitbit tells you your basic yeah. calorie-burning state, your, your heart pumping, your breathing, all of that, is, say, 1,800 calories a day. So you would eat under that? No, that's... Because in Fitbit, you put in, like, I want to lose one pound a week, and then it'll adjust your calories oh, to, see. like, wh- whatever amount of weight you want to lose in a week. Which I think okay. is really dangerous. That is dangerous. Because it's setting up a lot of assumption, <laughs> assumptions, <laughs> as this book There's, is saying. You've got a microphone there. I but. know. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Um, Hi. Yeah, so, again, that that basal metabolic rate is not stable, which is the assumption that Fitbit obviously makes. Well, Fitbit is not in the business of losing weight oh well that's true because then they would lose their customers that's right okay assumption three. Oh. 
<laughs> Do you want to read that one? Sure. You seem titillated. We, I, <laughs> well, I love the word exert. Oh. That's a good word. It just, the way it sounds, exert. Exertion. Anyway, assumption three is we exert conscious control over calories in. Mm. So basically, uh, our bodies possess an intricate system guiding us to eat or not. So the assumption being that eating is a completely conscious uh, emotion, yeah. I guess is the right word. Um, decision, that's what he says. Um, and I like and the, that hunger only plays a minor role. I like, I, so Dr. Fung is like famous for his little examples that he gives, these little uh-huh. <laughs> analogies. So, for example, the smell of frying food makes you hungry at lunchtime. However, if you had just finished a large buffet, those same smells might make you queasy. Those smells are the same. The decision to eat or not is principally hormonal. That's... Which I thought was very uh, profound. That was one of the more prof- profound ones. Yeah. I felt. Yeah. This, um, it's so true. It is true. And, and and you think of like pregnant women, how certain smells. Like I know from my right. mom when she was pregnant with me, the smell of bacon made her vomit. Really? Mm-hmm. Poor girl. That's actually how she found out she was pregnant. Because she was throwing up with the smell of bacon. Yeah. She was, and my grandmother was like, wow. are you pregnant? And my mom was like, what? No. And then like, yeah, she was. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out. All right. <clears throat> anyway. um, and did she have a, have a bacon baby? Um, yeah, she sure did. Does she enjoy bacon? The baby? She does now. No. Okay. That's me. All right. I'm that baby. Are you that baby? I am that baby. You're 100% that baby i didn't start eating bacon till keto though so which you've mentioned and that still blows my mind i didn't eat any pork i grew up your whole life my whole life i grew up in the 90s of fatty meats are bad okay so you're you're entitled to your your poor misdecisions well it wasn't my decision (laughs) oh (laughs) number four (laughs) moving on fat stores are essentially unregulated so every single system in your body is highly regulated right right growth hormones blood sugar are regulated by hormones sexual maturation oh (laughs) the list is endless right right um, but we're led to believe that the growth of fat cells is just completely unregulated extra calories are dumped into fat cells like doorknobs into a sack is what Dr. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Which uh, always the vision that you come up with when well, you're just, trying to. You know, you know when you got a bunch of doorknobs laying around, you just gotta, <laughs> you just gotta dump them in a sack somewhere. Not trash into a landfill. No doorknobs into a sack. <laughs> I'm never. Is that a Canadian? We need a that Canadian. That was his visual. A Canadian ah, needs to chime in on this. That would be interesting. Hit us up. Doorknobs into a sack. Is that a, is that a Canadian? Um, Truism. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google that phrase with the quotations Please. and see what comes up. All right. So so of course there you know this is fa- has been proven false. New hormonal pathways in the regulation of fat growth are being discovered all the time. Leptin is the best known hormone for regulating fat growth. So leptin. Okay. Here's your update. Uh-huh. Uh huh. When I'd use quotations and Google doorknob and in, doorknobs into a sack, <laughs> I. Only get the obesity code <laughs> results. <laughs> so he's totally made this up. I love it. 
Everything is Dr. Jason Fung. Like doorknobs into the a sack. These are the days into a of sack. our keto. <laughs> These are the days of our fasting <laughs> lives. I can't. Okay. And fifth and uh, not fifth and final? No. <laughs> yes. Fifth and final. Or fifth and final. A- is one that we just touched on right. in the beginning. A- that a calorie is a calorie. A calorie is a calorie is a calorie. And that is foolish. So foolish. And he says the most dangerous assumption of them all. I agree. Um, I liked just like a dog is a dog or a desk is a desk. Yeah. Oh, he does say that. He does say that. He's so strange. It's so true. There are many different kinds of dogs and desks. I mean, think of like doodle versus forest. Very different. They're two very different beasts. So different. Doodle is uh, black and forest is brown. Yeah. Plus doodle's perfect. Uh, well forest does like to kill feral (laughs) kill feral cats so yeah i guess um so sugar versus let's say olive oil sugar Mm -hmm. will increase blood glucose level and provoke an insulin response from the pancreas olive oil will not so these five assumptions the key assumptions in all of these are key assumptions in a caloric reduction theory of weight loss have all been proven false all calories are not equally likely to cause weight gain. So what does cause weight gain? Which I was hoping would be a one sentence response, <laughs> but it isn't. It isn't. He he likes He's got to, a whole book. He's got to tease it out. He loves a tease. He's such a tease. He loves a tease. Dr. Jason Tease. <laughs> um, so what is a calorie? I love this question because a lot of people don't know what a calorie yeah, actually is. What video was it? Fat head, I where he was like so. on the street asking what a calorie was. Yes, and no one knew the answer. Of course, he you know cherry picks the well, clips, yeah. but so a large number of people did not know what a calorie was. What is a calorie, Colin? It is a measurement of energy, uh-huh. and I do know prior to reading this book, mm-hmm. I will say that they measure how much calories are in a food by burning that food, basically. Yeah, which is crazy they to me. Set it on fire. By how hot it gets. Yeah. And how long it burns and all sorts of different stuff. And like, how does that? Which is crazy. Is there just some lab somewhere where they're like setting Twinkies on fire? Like, I don't understand. How do I get that job? (laughs) Where's this? Where's this happening? (laughs) I want this job. Or is it to the point where they've set all ingredients on fire and they just like have some kind of list they pull now? I don't know. I'm sure. I think they have to set everything on fire every time. That's my theory. That's my wish. <laughs> my dream. I hope so. And I want that job. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> so and we know carbohydrates are broken down into their building blocks, sugar, proteins, fats, and carbohydrates all provide caloric energy for the body, but differ greatly in their metabolic processing. Right. We know Correct. that. We know that. <clears throat> okay. So we get back to this idea of like, why are we gaining weight? You know, correlation is not causation. Um, he goes in this whole thing about like, we're, we're not eating significant, like as a population, we're not eating significantly more populations than we, <laughs> no, we're not eating significantly more calories. <laughs> That's not right. No, we're not we eat populations. We hope not. Um, but we're not eating significantly more calories than we were, you know, 
before the obesity epidemic. So I hate to be that person. Yeah. Am I allowed to backtrack a little bit? Of course. So in the how we process food section, yeah. I actually made a note. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is this little short little paragraph that says, all the foods we eat contain calories. Food first enters the stomach, where it is mixed with stomach acid and slowly released into the small intestine. Nutrients are extracted throughout the journey through the small and large intestines. What remains excreted is as stool. So I thought that was interesting because ever since I've been doing this carnivore, yeah. and we're going to open a TMI door here. Oh, yes. I'm on day 16. Mm-hmm. I have pooped twice. The whole time? Yeah. So my body is literally using everything I'm consuming. Wow. There's no waste with carnivore, which one which I wanted to ask you when you water fast, you get that question a lot. Mm-hmm, I do. What are your stools like? Yes. And I thought this would be a great time to answer that question on the pod. On the pod. On the pod. So interestingly, and I've water fasted up to 12 days 10 Mm -hmm. or 12 days and i poop every day interesting which is like i and i think for me it's because i am i still have an obese bmi you know and i and i think dr fung will get there eventually when he gets into fasting Um, okay because i don't know that you should water fast if you have a healthy bmi for like for that long like maybe you want to do it for a couple of days for cancer prevention or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but I, I guess, you know, your body does eat itself. Like right. that's what your body was made to do. So when you're fasting, when you do have higher blood sugar, like I do, your body's still making waste because it's eating itself. It's using right. all that stored glucose from the liver. It's still breaking down fat for fuel. So for me, okay. I do poop every day. <laughs> it's not yeah. a solid stool. It is right. Mine weren't either. It is a something. Yeah. So and it's a, it's one of those situations where another TMI door. It's that whole you can't trust it's a fart situation. Oh yeah. Sounds is right. that fair? Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, All right, we can get back on track. Now. There, I just I forgot I forgot that I wanted to make that little um, interjection. No, I am always happy to talk about poop. In <laughs> well, we should start a poop pod. <laughs> poop the pod. <laughs> Love it. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so back, back, going forward again. Going forward. So while obesity, you know, um, from 1990 to 2010, while obesity increased at a rate of 0.37 percent each year, caloric intake remained virtually stable. How interesting. I think that's so interesting. So that's North I really America, do too. but also the Brit in Great Britain, shout out. Um, <laughs> the British obesity epidemic largely ran parallel to North America. Um, oh, this is where he gets into the first law of thermodynamics. And just the law, the, just the word thermodynamics made me like, oh, this is so much your, science. <laughs> your brain it literally just kind of melted bit. through your. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But basically, yeah. that's the theory that, you know, matter cannot, can, um, the first law states that energy can neither be created nor destroyed in an isolated system, right? So this applies right. to calories in, calories out. Um, because 
thermodynamics, a law of physics, has minimal relevance to human biology for the simple reason that the human body is not an isolated system. Food energy um, is excreted from the system. So a lot of the the calories in, calories out theory kind of, you know, is built upon that law of thermodynamics, but it's not applicable to the human body is what he's saying. Um, So... What is the fate of these calories that have entered our system? There's many possibilities for how calories are utilized. Mm-hmm. I'll go through them real fast. Heat production, yep. new protein production, new bone, new muscle production, cognition, brain, increased heart rate, increased stroke volume, exercise, physical exertion, detoxification, detoxification of the kidney, digestion, breathing, excretion, fat production. Just to name a few. There are an almost infinite number of ways that the body can dissipate excess energy instead of storing it as body fat. No system in the body is unregulated. Like, um, so you don't, so just because you eat excess, basically what this is saying is just because you eat excess calories doesn't necessarily mean those calories are immediately going to go to your hips let's say right they're not gonna be immediately stored as fat because that's not your body is smarter than you (laughs) yes your body is so smart it might need and your body might you know if it's the dead of winter your body might need those calories to produce some extra heat or you know any number of things um so and i of course there's another analogy here of how this is all decided. So, do you want to do you like this analogy of the money analogy? Yeah, I th- I find this to be yeah. funny. Um, this is pretty entertaining. <laughs> so you'll you'll consider the money you earn in a year as money in, uh-huh. and the money you spend as money out. Oh. So this is, he says, suppose you normally earn and also spend one hundred thousand dollars per year. Yay me! I wish. <laughs> if money in is now reduced to twenty five thousand oh, per no. year. What would happen to money out? Oh. Would you continue to spend one hundred thousand per year? Probably, it's it's me. Yes. Oh, <laughs> well, probably you're not so stupid. He says. Oh, I am that um, stupid. <laughs> as you quickly become bankrupt, are yeah. you bankrupt? Yeah, yeah, that's me. Morally bankrupt, I hope. <laughs> Just morally. <laughs> but instead, you would reduce your money out to twenty five thousand per year to balance your budget. So money in and money out are dependent variables, since reduction of one will directly cause a redirection. Okay, but reduction what about the, the variable other? of, like, mama needs new clothes, you know? How about sure, that? Well, yeah, papa needs a brand new bag. <laughs> mama needs a three-piece <laughs> set of luggage for Europe. Mama was a rolling stone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. Ugh. So he applies that reasoning also to obesity, like... Reducing calories in only works if calories out remains stable, but of course we find calories out is not necessarily stable. And oh right. boy, are there many, many experiments on this. Oh, there were like an infinite number. He kept referencing them. and There I thought, were so many. Through, fun. Yeah, throughout so many periods in history. And he even says like... Wouldn't it be great if there were all these experiments? Luckily for us, all these studies have been done. <laughs> Let me tell you all about them. Let me tell you. Yeah. So, and they he multiple pages about that. Yeah. So, I mean, and he starts with the Carnegie semi-starvation diets. Um, and this was in 1919, going all the way back to 1919 of like 
lowering people's calories by 30%. Um, of course, to find out that, um, you know, what happened, you know, their, out, their calorie output. So people did, I think, drop weight. Is that right? They did initially, but then initially, but then the body, you know, lowered its energy budget, and this, and of course, who else did an experiment? Oh my God! I saw it, and I immediately thought Voldemort. <laughs> Voldemort. Here's uh, Voldemort rearing his Dr. ugly face. Doctor Ansel Keys. Of course he did. Of course. This is what Doctor Ansel. I want to call him Doctor Asshole Keys so badly. Doctor <laughs> <laughs> Ansel Keys. With the accent to it, love it. Oh. Doctor, Doctor Asshole Keys showed up. <laughs> Paging Doctor Keys, the biology Dr. of human asshole starvation. Keys. This is his, and this was in the fifties. But he did this before. He did this in the forties before he got famous for pushing sugar on everybody. Oh, before he ruined the world, <laughs> slightly. But he was he was starving people before that, and in which in, is so lovely and so him, <laughs> so right him. on, right on brand. Um. Because in the aftermath of World War II, millions of people were on the verge of starvation. So he's like, oh, let me like study this. So he took 36 young, normal, healthy men who were an average height of 5'10", average weight of 153. And for the first three months, he gave them 3,200 calories per day. And then over the next six months, he reduced them to 1,570. Some people were reduced to below 1,000 calories a day. And the only food that they were given were actually very high in carbs. Um, a lot of potatoes, turnips, bread, macaroni. And in addition to that, they were walking 22 miles a week as exercise. Mm. These men went bananas. Um, oh, I can only imagine they went bananas. Yeah. These men suffered profound physical and psychological changes. They were cold. Um, their resting metabolic rate dropped by 40%. The heart rate slowed. Body temperature dropped. Blood pressure dropped. They were tired and dizzy. Um, and they got so, like, fanatic about food that they were, like, hoarding cookbooks and utensils. Yeah, and Just, dreaming about and, like, food. Dre- like, crazy. They were plagued by constant hunger, which, I mean, and we'll get to this later, I'm sure, but as ketoers and fasters, I've... As someone who's, I'm telling you, as someone who has fasted for 12 days, I've never felt this. No, no. <laughs> um, I can't, I, and you'd have to really just go through it to yeah. experience this. I can't imagine what these men went through. I know, because I know, you know, when I did in college, when I dieted dangerously, mm-hmm. um, which was limiting myself to four to 500 calories a day, which were from carbs, from <laughs> Special K. Um, I was miserable. I was. I can so, imagine. I was devastatingly miserable. I was depressed and like just mm-hmm. out of my mind. So well, your brain didn't have enough calories to not let that happen, right? So poor thing. Poor college aged oh, Liz. College Liz was a mess. Um, <laughs> she sounds like fun though. Oh, she was a party. Well, I bet she was. Senior year. Junior year, she was a mess and just ate like three flakes of Special K a day. But by <laughs> senior year, she'd really come into her own and was just... And ate four flakes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. She was eating. She was eating because she was so like yeah. hungover most of the time. <laughs> she uh, had to eat. <laughs> I love that. Oh, 
wild child. Um, but it makes sense because calories are needed to heat the body, to he- pump blood, to maintain blood pressure, brain function. Like, this mm-hmm. is what calories are utilized for. Um, and this is my favorite part. Because the body oh. is smart and doesn't want to die. What would happen if the body continued to expend 3,000 calories a day while only taking in 1,500? Soon fat stores would need to be burned, then protein stores, and then you would die. Nice. <laughs> um, burning energy, it does not have to lead to quick death, though. Um, <laughs> uh, so calories in and calories out are highly dependent variables, right? Mm-hmm. Um. The body must at some point reduce its caloric expenditure in order to meet the caloric intake. So that's why, you know, all of those functions decreased because their calories to replace hair and nails weren't available. Um, so overall, the men in, and this was the Minnesota starvation experiment. So the men should have lost 78 pounds, um, but actually lost around 38 Um, so, and that was like based on that, basically the Fitbit math of (laughs) calories in, calories out metabolic state. Um, so, um, I love this more and more severe caloric restriction was required to continue to lose weight. Sound familiar? So what happened? I (laughs) I know. I love him. He's so real. Capiche? (laughs) Capiche? You know, you know how it is when you're dieting. Why is that fun? It's not him. He's Canadian. You know how it is, eh? No. I'll find his voice. Don't worry. Oh, my god. We still have several more episodes of this. Yeah. There'll be many fun impressions. <laughs> <laughs> but he says that a lot. I'll just say he's a British cockney uh, chimney sweep. <laughs> yes, please. I love how he talks about, like, dieters, though. He's like, ah, oh, we've all been there, right? You know how it is. <laughs> Like, he's like one of us, you know? Like, uh, oh, yeah. We all know. Oh, yeah. Hey, kids. Uh. <laughs> we all know how it is when you're trying to lose weight. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, guess what happened after this uh, semi starvation period? Um, I, well, uh, body fat dropped mm-hmm. much quicker than the overall body weight, as fat stores are preferent. Oh, my gosh. What is that? preferentially used to power the body yeah so once they started to recover <clears throat> they regained weight quickly in about 12 weeks oh my god and this and experiment they were on went on long? for six months or longer for wow. some of them and and sadly because this was like college students and some of them like had to like withdraw from school because they were like so miserable like it was really asshole keys um yep <laughs> like, um yeah, but body weight continued to increase until it was actually higher than prior to the experiment. And yeah, once you again, got a rebound. We've all been there, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> well, no, I've never dieted. Oh. Remember we talked about this? We did. Keto is my first diet. Okay. Well, I know I've been there of like, and a lot of people will commonly say, yeah, I dropped a bunch of weight really fast and then I gained it all back and then some. But I did. I, that's, and it's true. I gained 40 pounds. From Thanksgiving to New Year's. 40 pounds. Yeah. It can happen. It can happen so fast. I'm not pleased. Because, um, you know, I think the, and and he'll get into like a body set point 
theory. Okay. Um, but I think like in the quicker you lose it, the faster it can come back on. It only makes sense. I feel like I was lucky. I don't know if it was because I was in my 20s when I was on my 400 calorie a day diet. And I did drop over 100 pounds in eight months. And it took me seven years to put it back on. Which isn't a terrible ratio. I mean, it did come back and then some. But yeah, it took almost a decade. So That's crazy. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know why. But um, but most people will put it all back and then some. Because your metabolism has decreased so drastically. Right. Um, And I like, so, and we'll relate this to a woman dieting. Prior to the diet, she eats and burns 2,000 calories a day. Let's say she drops at 500 calories for the diet, so she's eating 1,500. Initially, she loses weight, but as as her body's expenditure decreases to match the lowered intake, her weight plateaus. Her dietary compliance is good, but one year later, things haven't improved. Her weight slowly creeps back up. Even though she's eating the same number of calories, tired of feeling lousy, she abandons the failed diet and resumes eating 2,000 calories a day. Since her metabolism has slowed down to an output of 1,500 calories a day, all her weight comes back as fat. Those around her silently accuse her of lacking willpower. Sound familiar? (laughs) But her weight regain is not her failure. Instead, it's to be expected. Everything described here has been well documented for the last hundred years. I love that. Yeah. It's yeah, it's kind of a dig at culture. It's not her failure. Right. The key But he's absolutely right. He is. The key assumption of the theory that reducing calorie intake leads to weight loss is false, since decreased caloric intake inevitably leads to decreased caloric expenditure. So, yeah. And that is... I love his... Um, sorry, I love his... Uh, worst of all, you regain all the weight you've lost. I know it. You know it. <laughs> you know it. I know it. We all know it. <laughs> I love him. Um, he's a little sa- He's got some Canadian sass. Yeah, he's so sassy, you guys. This is such a good read. <laughs> um, but instead, we believe that the fault lies in ourselves, that we have failed. Some silently criticize us for not adhering to the diet. Others silently think we have no willpower and offer us meaningless me- platitudes. Sound familiar? The failing isn't ours. The portion control calorie reduction diet is virtually guaranteed to fail. Eating less does not result in lasting weight loss. Boom. Oh, my God. Mic drop. Ugh. Fuck. Where were you in 19, we'll say, 85? Where was I? Where was he? Oh, where was he? Like. Oh, I know. Like, if he had been a voice at the beginning of, like, the craze of fitness but i think he was like a baby i mean he probably was i think he was probably 10 yeah but boy he would have been a voice worth hearing i know and even now you know even of course right because a lot of this stuff i mean a lot of people still vehemently like believe in calories in calories out theory it's it's almost like um it's an abo- it's like born into a brain. Mm-hmm. 
for sure. It's just, yeah. <clears throat> and you, it's hard to it's hard to crack it too, right? Because I still fall trapped to that mentality. Me that too. I still count calories. I count calories and carbs. I don't know. Yeah, I, I count them too, but yeah. And for me, like I count calories not because I think this, uh, you know, and I don't really. I'm not trying to like meet a certain calorie goal anymore or anything. It's just for me to track amounts. Like that's how I track the amount of food I'm eating. Like the right. number of servings mm-hmm. as opposed to like anything meaningful for weight loss. Anyway. Moving on. Moving we on. got a lot to cover. So much to go. <laughs> oh, Lord. And I, I do like this. Uh, so the uh, eating is not under conscious control. Um, all right. <laughs> and I love this. Let's, let's paint a picture. Okay. All right. See it. Early 90s. Yes, picture. The Battle of the Bulge is raging. (laughs) The obesity (laughs) epidemic is gaining momentum. Um, And we're all eating our dry skinless chicken and our rice cakes, which I still love. That's my childhood comfort food, for real. And I don't hate a dry skinless chicken breast either. I don't either. (laughs) No. But, like, my childhood comfort food is, like, Mm -hmm. rice cakes, Special K, like just all of the all the like a snack wells all of the worst nineties time food. Yeah, those all sound terrible. I, know. I remember specifically Oh yes. Ah, uh, I love the comfort of a lean cuisine. Were you ever a slim fast girl? I wasn't. I don't okay. think and I wasn't I mean I've had I made some shakes, but it wasn't like following that program. Okay. There's one to try. There's one. You know what? (laughs) Aren't they keto now? (laughs) They do have a whole keto line. I will say their shakes are actually pretty tasty. I'm sure. They're they're keto ones. Mm, Really? Yeah. Everything I've tried from them, I've actually really enjoyed. Okay. Who knew? Um. Okay. So in the 90s, they did a huge study that studied 50,000 postmenopausal women. And basically, they took half the group and half of them maintained their current diet and the other half went on like a low-fat calorie counting diet. And they tracked them for like a decade. Like this went on through the 2000s. Um, And basically, this was testing like the eat less, move more theory, um, which was um, obviously eat less calories, eat lower fat, and then move more. So they did. Half the group did. The other half just did the same. Um, in the beginning, yeah, the half that was reducing did lose weight. And then they studied them over the decades. And uh, basically, both groups ended up the same. Um, they, And then I think inevitably, they the group that had restricted actually grew larger. They grew more obese than the other group. So... Do, cal- do caloric restriction diets work? No. This trial was the biggest, baddest, most kick-ass study of the eat less, move more strategy that's ever been done. And it was a resounding repudiation of that strategy. Wow. I love him. I know. Um, His choice of words. I know. So this is where we get into, like, hunger. Um and about like having like conscious control over what we eat. Um, 
So in 2011, in an elegant study, elegant, I love him. elegant, of hormonal weight loss subjects were given a diet of 500 calories a day, which produced an average weight loss of 29.7 pounds. Then they were prescribed um, a low glycemic index diet, despite their intentions, almost half the weight was regained. So again, like we're just repeating over and over, like the same like the yo-yo throughout decades so we started at 1919 and now we're in 2011 people are still studying this um but this is where he talks about ghrelin do you know what ghrelin is i well i do now okay. thanks to dr jason fun uh-huh. uh, it's a hormone that essentially makes us hungry yeah yeah it um and weight loss significantly increases ghrelin levels so that's why when you're losing weight, you feel more hungry because weight loss, hunger is your body's way of being like, hey, we're short, we're short, what's going on? Like, um, we need to eat and maintain this beautiful figure that we've made. Yes. Um, These curves weren't built in a day. That's right. The study also measured um, satiety. Sati- 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 I hate that word. Sati- I hate that word. Satiety. Sa- satiety. Sat- s- satiety. Society. Satiety. <laughs> okay. It's satiety hormones, including peptide YY. I'm going to say am, am, Amy Lynn. Amy Lynn. Amy Lynn. <laughs> get away. Hey, Amy Lynn. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and get your sister. Uh, uh, i cool. Colasistican. Colasistican. Get in here. Amy Lynn. (laughs) And some other word. These are all hormones that are um, released to tell us that we're full. Okay. So, overall, losing weight triggers two important responses. First, total energy expenditure is immediately and indefinitely reduced. In order to conserve available energy. Indefinitely. Yikes. Second, hormonal hunger is signaling um, immediately and indefinitely amplified in an effort to acquire more food. Yikes. Um, Our body has one simple survival strategy to make us regain the lost weight. It is harder for people who have lost weight to resist food because of these hormonal... Um, signals that are being sent to us all the time. It has nothing to do whatsoever with a lack of willpower or any kind of moral failure. It's a normal hormonal fact of life. Say it again. Ugh, it is not a moral failure. I spent 30 years of my life feeling like a moral failure. And and, and of course you did. Like It was just ingrained in society that people who like, were not model thin mm-hmm. there was clearly something wrong with their yeah there's behavior. some like i literally felt like a monster like there's yeah. something so wrong with me that you know i'm 363 pounds all I, like just eating all day long because i i was never a binge eater like i didn't like have a giant binge meal i was like a grazer of just like Snack, 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 snack all day. Um, which I'm like, there's something wrong with me. Like, and that's. Oh, well, I mean, there is, let's be honest. I know, but it's not that. 
<laughs> that's not it. That's not. What I mean, I I could go pull out a tome of things wrong mm. with Liz. How dare you? That was not one of them. Well, well. <laughs> am I wrong? Yes. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, reduced mat- metabolism and increased hunger are not the cause of obesity; they are the result. What? Mm-hmm. That's insane. I love it. <clears throat> we eat too much because our brain tells us to. Which, yep, I felt that. Um. Oh, can I? I, yeah? I do have a disagreement with Dr. Jason Fung. He says okay. um, we do not eat too much because we choose to, or because food is too delicious, or because of salt, sugar, and fat. Uh-huh. We eat too much because our own brain compels us to. I I call a little bit of BS because eating food's delicious. I, I love food, and even if I'm full, like to the brim, yeah, I'll still eat another bite because I love the way it tastes. I love. Or even like the chew. I'm obsessed with the textures. Hmm. And I I eat because I genuinely enjoy it. Like I will force myself sometimes to eat something. Hmm. Because I want the sensation of it in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. Um, yep. I mean, yeah, I, I can't say that I do. I definitely okay. have, I definitely reach a point where I'm overly full and I'm, I can't. I, like, I could go eat a buffet, stuff myself to the gills. Oh, so you're the opposite then, of that analogy about the buffet where you smell the smell and you... Yeah, sm- yeah, I, never, I don't have that sensation usually. But, like, I'll, I'll stuff myself and then I'll come home and be like, oh, I have ice cream. Like, it's not like I don't... I, my body is, has sent the signal. Hmm. You're full. You're done eating. But my mouth has said, mm, no, I need some of that. I need to experience a little bit of that. Mm. I can't stop. Hmm. I can. I choose not. Like, for me, it's a choice. Like, yeah. I, I know I'm full. I acknowledge it. I still gonna eat that. Hmm. Interesting. Sure. <laughs> um. So this is where he discusses the vicious cycle of undereating. Um, which is basically dieting. You know. Um, right. Slowing our metabolism, we are cold, tired, hungry, and obsessing about the calories. Worst of all, the weight come always comes back on. This is where I feel like he kept repeating himself. Sound familiar? All dieters share the same sad story of weight loss and regain. It's a mm-hmm. guarantee. Um, <clears throat> and then we talk about the cruel hoax of caloric reduction. Um, when you don't lose weight, they say it's your fault. You were gluttons. You were sloths. You didn't try hard enough. You didn't want it badly enough. I hate that. Yeah. I hate the, like, do you want it bad? You must not want it enough. Like, yeah, I want it. Yeah. That's why I've been dieting for my entire life. Yeah. Um... Low fat, low calorie has been proven to fail. It's a cruel... It's cruel because so many of us believed it and it's cruel because we trusted our health sources um to tell us it's true it's cruel because when it fails we blame ourselves and let me state it as plainly as i can eat less does not work that's a fact accept it (laughs) accept it slam it into your little brains (laughs) oh my god oh this is where he talks about the drug ally yes have you did you try that at all back in the day? No, absolutely not. Oh um, my god! Because I lived but this. He also touches on those those Wow chips. Yes, he does. Olestra. I love it. All right, Olestra. Um, 
Okay, so allies, like, I think that was that drug that you, like, sprinkle on your food to make it... Yeah, I think I that no, no, I think it was maybe it was just a pill. I don't, I know I took. I it. I think it was a pill. And I, getting back to the subject of poop, uh-huh. I remember this. <laughs> Please, how <laughs> we need it all day to just talk about poop. Okay, so so and he'll he says it too, and like once I read it, I was like, oh my god, because I I think I took it when I was maybe eleven or twelve, like I was a kid when my parents gave it to me. Um, among its numerous side effects, with the this. most bothersome was <laughs> the euphemistically called fecal leakage and oily spotting. Euphemistically. Gross. And it. he even uses the words orange poop oil. And I yep. absolutely remember that being a part of my youth. And then he says what I said earlier, <laughs> never assume it's just a fart. <laughs> he does not do that. Yes, he does. <laughs> Never wear white pants. <laughs> Never assume it's just a fart. <laughs> He's so great. Oh, future friend of the pod, Dr. Jason. Oh, God willing. <laughs> Fung willing. In 2007, Ally won the Bitter Pill Award for the worst drug in the U.S. consumer market. Oh, my God. There were more serious concerns, such as liver toxicity, vitamin dis- deficiency, and gallstones. Moreover, it didn't work, obviously. Um, no. <laughs> it hasn't changed the way we look as a nation? Unbelievable. And then he talks about the fake fat Olestra was similarly ill-conceived, born out of the calorie yes. reduction theory. And that also landed on Time Magazine's worst 50 inventions, just behind asbestos. Good work. Wow. I wish I could find a bag of WoW chips. <laughs> Eat the whole bag. Why? Uh, to for, see the orange oil? All, to see the orange poop oil. <laughs> and also, to because I, I was a kid, I don't remember if it tasted differently. Mm. Did it? Yeah. Did the oil taste yes. different? Okay. Yes, absolutely. In what way? Can you, oh. Do you remember the difference? Oh, my gosh. Like, I could always, I remember I could always taste it. And there was something about like those chips that made they like were more like a kettle chip consistency. Like they yes, were always like, they were thicker, thick, mm-hmm. and the oil had like a weird aftertaste. Okay, oh, God. But they had you saying, "Wow! Oh wow! Oh, seventy <laughs> calories! Wow! Oh my God! Two <laughs> grams of fat! Yay! Oh, forty-nine grams of carbs! <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Orange po- orange poop oil." <laughs> Sign me up. Can I just straight buy the orange poop oil? Oh, orange poop oil. There's got to be a good commercial for the for the chips. I don't remember specifically. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up, and it may become. You may have already heard it if you're listening now. I may have used it. Ooh. If you didn't hear it, then I couldn't find it. Well, I'll get into the next portion, which is about the. Go ahead. It's called the exercise myth. Um, so this whole chapter talks about obviously exercise, um, and this kind of goes in with calories in, calories out. Like, can you just exercise all those extra calories out? Um, what is the answer? Oh, spoiler uh, alert! Spoiler alert! The answer is no, because no. It, I find it very interesting that America got obsessed with exercise at the, the same 80s and time 90s, yeah. the obesity epidemic really ramped mm-hmm. up. How about that? Like, that's when America was exercising more than ever. 
Um, and more than the rest of the world. Yeah, more than the rest of the world. And we were still getting fatter than everybody else. Correct. Interesting. Hmm. Um, so, in, uh, 1990, in 1977, the complete book of running uh, by Jim Fix really kicked off, like, the whole jog. Like, my parents were big joggers back in the day. My dad still is a jogger. He loves jogging. Um, but that kicked off, like, running as, like... A thing, you know, as a form of exercise instead of, like, running away from a predator <laughs> or, right. or as a form of, like, labor Just or running. Cardio in general became a thing. Yeah. Aerobics, dancing, like, sweating into the oldies. Mm-hmm. Just getting your heart rate up. Like, yes. And dangerous, uh, dangerous, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, I mean. Uh, amounts? Yeah, because uh, good old Jim Fix was dead by the age of 52 of a massive heart attack. Oh. Yikes. Well. Well, hmm. you, you know they say you can't outrun a bad diet. No. Um, and Mama Cass choked on a sandwich. That's not true. It's not true, but I, I love that. <laughs> but Poor girl. But wow. But that, wow. That, that, was also, that was also a way to fat shame her in her death. I know. I know. Like, I know. The woman's dead. Yeah. Good lord. From drugs? Do we know? Uh, I don't she know. She did a lot of drugs, though. Did she? Yeah. And what about the papas? I, I don't know. All right. Um, I'm going to find out how she died for sure okay. while you continue. Um, in the UK, uh, from 1997 to 2008, exercise increased 32%. That's insane. Yet obesity increased relentlessly, even in the UK. Not just an American problem, although mostly. Um, but yeah, that phenomenon is kind of global. Um, and, and across the board, whether physical activity increases or de- decreases, it has virtually no relationship to the prevalence of obesity. Increasing exercise did not reduce obesity, um, <clears throat> including childhood obesity. There's no association between activity and obesity even in childhood um and this is where i'm kind of i don't know so a lot of people will say and part of the calories and calories out theory likes to talk about how less active we are these days we used to walk everywhere but now we drive and video games and tv and computers and working desk jobs like no one's moving anymore um and so this is where I'm kind of like, I don't know, because I do think this the sedentary life has put us back, especially when you compare, because I feel me living in a suburb where everyone drives everywhere and we work desk jobs compared to people in New York. Like when I lived in New York and everyone walked everywhere and people in those cities, like if you are in New York City, you're not seeing a lot of fat people walking around. Right. Um, and... I don't know. I, I'm going to Europe. I know uh, in the Netherlands, everyone bikes everywhere. Dutch people tend to be thinner. I I don't know. I mean, and maybe maybe it's the food. Maybe New Yorkers eat different food. I mean, they got good food, though. But, they do have good food. <laughs> um, I don't know. But he does cite a study by Dr. Herman Ponser about um, a hunter-gatherer society, the Hadza in Tanzania. They often travel 15 to 20 miles a day to gather food. 
So you might assume... That's insane. Yeah, that's a lot. That's crazy. So you might assume that their daily energy expenditure is much higher than a typical office worker. But in this study, he found that despite all the physical activity, the number of calories burned was indistinguishable from that of typical adults in the U.S. and Europe. Which I'm like, wait, how is that? But walking 20 miles? Yeah. What? Um, By the way, I'm going to take a second and and clear the air about Mama Cass, Elliot. Uh, She died in her sleep. um, And according to her autopsy, her death was due to heart failure. (sighs) Okay. Uh, the drug screen part of that autopsy revealed that there were no drugs in her system. Oh. Um, but the ham sandwich rumor mm-hmm. started um, because her cause of death was so boring and the media wanted to make it more respectable. Uh-huh. Um, so they would they would like publish it as a rumor, but constantly mention the rumor. Oh. And so much so that an autopsy... The autopsy had to be reopened and had to have a, they had a press conference mm-hmm. to reporters to say that there was no food present in her windpipe. Like, they had to actually go that far but as to... There was, like, a half-eaten ham sandwich, like, in the room or something. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But she had, like, I think, because I did this deep dive once, I think, like, she had done a lot of drugs in her past, like... Right. And I'm and I'm they, there was also like I'm not sure what drugs they actually screened for, first you know True. like there was, yeah. But also she had done some really extreme dieting too, that took a toll yeah. on her body, which is really sad because she was sure. so relentlessly fat shamed. And yeah, and still beautiful. Like she was beautiful. I know, oh, and so incredibly talented. Oh yeah, let's <laughs> not to mention not her talent. To yeah. Okay, so getting back to the exercise myth, if lack of exercise yes. was not causing the obesity em- epidemic, exercise is probably not going to reverse it. Is that true? Yes. That's as much as I like, you know, and and he says this later, like, yes, and ener- you know, exercise is good for a lot of other things, like it does play a huge factor in like disease prevention, a lot of other things, but will it help you lose weight specifically? I think he gives it a 5%. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, because of the complexity of measuring basal metabolic rate, non-exercise activity, thermogenesis, thermogenic effect of food and excess post-exercise oxygen consumption will make a simple but erroneous assumption that these factors are all constant over time. Again, basal metabol- metabolic rate does not stay stable, um, especially when you're decreasing your caloric intake. Okay, so this is where we get to exercise with weight loss. Diet and exercise have always been the prevailing treatment for obesity from any doctor. And <laughs> But diet and exercise are not 50-50 partners like macaroni and cheese. Which is also not 50%. <laughs> Like, what kind of mac and cheese are you eating, Dr. Fong? Right. And I need some. That sounds um, like a lot of cheese. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> Where's the cream? Where's everything Give else, though? Give me that though? cheese. Um, <laughs> exercise is still healthy and important, just not equally as important. You know, there's many benefits, but weight loss is not among them. Um, cool. Um <laughs> Studies lasting more than 25 weeks found that actual weight loss was only 30% of what was expected. 
um, <clears throat> when we we're talking about um, getting back to that Fitbit analogy, you know how Fitbit mm-hmm. also um, calculates how many calories you've burned by right. doing whatever activity, which is also based on your weight. How much your arm swung. Yeah. So that math um, doesn't add up. Um, no, it couldn't. <laughs> I hate to tell. I, 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 you guys know I'm a Fitbit user. Like, I I love my Fitbit, but I don't follow that math. Um, okay. So why does actual weight loss fall so behind what's projected? Well... I think it's probably because of the hormonal component of eating, right? Well, he says there's two major mechanisms. Mm -hmm. The first one being the caloric intake increases in response to exercise. Yeah. They don't call it working up an appetite for nothing. That's right. And that's so true. Whenever I've like implemented exercise into my routine, I'm always like so much hungrier. Which only makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the second mechanism is the compensation, uh, which relates in reduction in non-exercise activity. So, like, if you've gone to the gym and exerted yourself all day, I'm, 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 I know for me, I'm less likely to take those extra laps around my office. So, right. like, I do, you find little ways to compensate for, like, having exerted yourself. Um, which is interesting and not something that I always am cognizant of. Until, I mean, this is my third time reading this book. So I, that is something now that I kind of take note of, of like, oh, yeah, I do tend to burn myself out during that 30 minutes, 45 minutes at the gym. And then I'm like, I'll just do it, just sit here in my chair all day. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I did my exercise. I'm done. I'm done. Um, if we want to reduce obesity, we need to focus on what makes us obese. We are writing a final exam called Obesity 101. Diet accounts for 95% of the grade and exercise accounts for only 5%. So that's his assertion. Okay, this is one of It is no wonder that our current grade is F for fat. Oh, rude. Rude. This is one of my favorite studies. Okay. About overfeeding. So this is chapter five, the overfeeding paradox. Okay, a UK health and fitness guru, his name is Sam Feltman, and he decided that he was going to eat 5,794 calories a day and document his weight gain. And he did this using that same like kind of Fitbit math of like, okay, based on like me eating all these excess calories, I should be gaining, um, I think he said like 16 pounds is what he should gain, Mm -hmm. but... (laughs) he decided to follow a low carb, high fat diet um, that had like a macronutrient breakdown of 10% carbs, 53% fat and 37% protein. So I'm not, I'm not sure how long he did it. Um, That's what I'm actually looking for right now. Yeah. But during um, this time, his actual weight gain was not 16 pounds. It was only 2.8 pounds. Even Mm -hmm. more interestingly, he dropped more than an inch from his waist measurement. He gained weight, but it was lean mass. Whoa. 21 days. Oh, 21 days. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, and for those of you thinking, well, you know, that's his body. Like, he must <sighs> just have really good genetics where you can eat almost 6,000 calories a day 
not work out and gain lean mass. Where do I sign? <laughs> Hello. Um, so to counter the haters, he's like, well, I'm going to abandon that diet. And he, then he ate 5,793 calories of his standard American diet with fake processed food. 64% carbs. Um, and doing this, he did gain 15.6 pounds, a lot closer to that 16 pounds that was right. predicted. Um, and his waist ballooned almost four inches. After only Which three is, weeks, he was developing love handles. I can say, it, like, because I did closer to a standard American diet versus a keto diet the last month of the year, mm-hmm. it's absolutely true. Like, yeah. I had to go back to my fat pants for work. Wow. And those were even tight. And now I'm back to my original pants. You balloon so much water. It's crazy. That's so true. It's bizarre. That's so yeah. true. Um, and you just inflamed. It's not just water and fat. Like your muscles are inflamed. Your body just grows. Yeah. Because like since the new year, because I and I've been strictly back on keto. I've done fasting. I haven't mm-hmm. dropped that much weight. I think I've only dropped like six or seven pounds. Same. But my clothes are so different. Yep. Mine too. I I was having to wear my extra large work shirts and now I'm back down to my large. I've only lost like six pounds, seven pounds, eight pounds, something like that. Me too. And like people at work are like, oh, wow, you've dropped more weight. I'm like, Mm, I've dropped water. (laughs) I've dropped some water. Man, I was bloated. (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) Okay, <laughs> so, um, oh, there, and then there's another experiment with prisoners, which I'm like, not. Please, like, let's, it made me sad. It always makes me sad. And they they seemed like they were tortured, basically. I know, I know, and they were being some were being overfed, like some up to like ten thousand calories a 10, day. Ten thousand. For for also, four to where six do I sign? <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, but ten thousand calories of prison food? Hey. Mm. It's food. Alright. Um well it doesn't I'm gonna do does it. it say prison food? No, I think Am that I they were that given, assumption? I think Did they you bring are. in extra like good food? They brought the uh, yeah, I feel like there was this, they mentioned specific food. Okay. I can't remember. I will scan. <laughs> um anyway. Uh so they did this for four to six months, and prisoners did eventually gain 20 to 25% of their original body weight, which was actually less than the caloric theory predicted. So again, that Fitbit math doesn't really add up. The key is metabolism. Total energy expenditure increased. Um, so, yeah. Overeating it does did not, not say what kind of food lead to lasting weight gain and then then there's more studies two groups of patients he over there's it's unbelievable how many studies have been done on caloric theory um he over in another study he overfed a group of thin patients until they became obese the second group was made up of very obese patients who dieted until they were only normal obese just regular obese (laughs) instead of very good old your run of the mill just just the regular obese but the same weight as the first group. Uh, the bodies of the originally very obese subjects were trying to return to their higher weights 
by reducing metabolism. In contrast, the bodies of the original thin subjects were trying to return to their lower weights by increasing metabolism. So, you know, that's why it's so much harder for larger people whose bodies are used to maintaining a larger weight. That's why it's nearly impossible to gain weight. Um, <clears throat> increased caloric intake is met with increased caloric expenditure. Um, that's why, like, when we're taking on more calories, we feel at times more energy, more body heat. Um, I always feel hotter when I've eaten, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I was definitely sweating more in December. Yeah. Which I shouldn't because it was colder. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, if excess calories doesn't cause weight gain, then reducing calories won't cause weight loss. And this is where we get to like the body set weight theory, um, which is something, I, you know, you hear more and more about. I read another book that was only about like body set weight theory. Um, and this theory is basically like our bodies have a set weight since losing weight requires total energy expenditure many obese people assume they have a slow metabolism but the opposite is true which i'm like wait what um so it appears that there's like a body set point for weight and fatness as first proposed in 1984 by kesey and corbett um, Good old Casey and Corbett. They had a they had a hit record, I think, in, <laughs> Casey in the mid eighties. and the Corbetts. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it. So there's basically like homeostatic mechanisms that defend this body weight against changes, both up and down. It's kind of like a a thermostat, I think, is the analogy that he'll use. Um, and the problem with obesity is that set point is too high. Uh, let's take an example. Suppose our body weight is set at 200 pounds. By restricting calories, we'll briefly lose weight, let's say down to 180. If that body set weight stays at 200 pounds, the body will try to regain weight by stimulating appetite through ghrelin um, and decreasing those um, satiety hormones like peptide YY. Um Body temperature drops, heart rate drops, we feel hungry, cold, all those things. Um, unfortunately, the result of is the regain back of weight to the original set point of 200 pounds. This outcome, too, is familiar for dieters. Eating more is not a cause of weight gain, but instead a consequence. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Eating more does not make us fat. Getting fat makes us eat more. Um. So energy expenditure has been measured on all these conditions. There's another study, calories in, calories out, by Dr. Root. Like, I, this was in 1995. There's just so many studies. Underfeeding did not result in weight loss. It's no wonder it's so hard to keep weight off. Diets don't work. It gets a little repetitive. So let's... You don't say. Yeah. So this is where he gets to, like, that thermostat idea um where the reason diets are so often unsuccessful is that we are constantly fighting our own body the smarter solution is to identify the body's homeostatic mechanism and just turn it downward that makes sense yeah i where's the knob on that yeah do you know what it is no oh it's leptin oh oh do you know what i think this is go go ahead do you know what leptin is um, if I can find it, I could read it to you. 
I'm trying to figure out where we are here. Oh, I'm on page 65. Oh, okay. Then I was on page 63. Mm. Oh, Lord. Liz, this is is why I I was never a good studier in school. (laughs) This is why everyone thinks Colin doesn't do the homework. I, 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 okay, tangent. When I was reading this, I was thinking about how you're so good at taking notes and like studying and doing all that stuff. I was one of those people that I would hear it and immediately forget about it. Uh-huh. But when the time came to like take the test, yeah. it would all come rushing back to me Ooh. as I read it. I like that. And I was great. I would ace every test I took, but like homework and everything in between, trash. Really? And it would like frustrate my teachers because like you clearly know the material. Like why? Like, but I wanted to be like, I don't know the material. I just remember like words that you said, but it doesn't resonate. Huh. It's just, I remember the words coming out of your mouth or like off the paper but I don't know what they mean. Mm. But I'm matching up. I remember those words together. Or I remember like... Or it's like I'm the opposite, I feel. It's so strange where, how the mind works. Where I like draw all these things together. And like and as soon as I write something and like make it my own, like reinterpret it. And then I'll remember it. Like if you gave me a multiple choice about leptin, I'd be I would go, oh, there it is. I'd be terrible. But, no, I mean, oh, that, that's what it was. But if I was right. like... Oh, I know from my own body and from my own experience and like wrote it down like. <laughs> that no, I... that's not me. <laughs> um, but okay, I found it. Okay. It is a protein produced by fat cells. Oh. It comes from the word lepto, the Greek word for thin. Oh. What'd you call me? <laughs> lepto. A lepto. Um, you lepto. It's very similar to the proposed decade. <laughs> Different. Um Higher levels of fat tissue produce higher levels of leptin. So traveling to the brain, it turns down hunger to prevent further fat storage. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, and it's um, a vital clue that obesity is a hormonal imbalance. Brain tumors, traumatic injuries, and radiation um, are critical to this area and cause massive... O- this was interesting about how like brain injuries and all this stuff can cause obesity which again just confirms that it's hormonal um and even people on a 500 calorie per day diet um if your hypothalamic area is damaged you'll gain weight and can you touch on the doll forming the uh what was the word hypo hypothalamic area can you point that out on the doll for me liz I, I shan't. <laughs> shan't. All right. <laughs> okay. You hate me right now. No, I love you. Um, oh. Oh. So when they discovered that leptin was like the key to all this, of course, they're like, well, let's produce exogenous leptin, which sounds so familiar to ketoers. Mm, doesn't mm. it? Mm. interesting they're like oh this is the answer let's do it so of course exogenous leptin was administered to patients in escalating doses and we watch with breathless 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 (laughs) maybe some of us were um as the patients did not lose any weight study after study confirmed this crushing disappointment the vast majority of obese people are not leptin deficient their leptin levels are high not low but these high levels did not produce the desired effect of lowering body fat. Obesity is a state of leptin resistance. Leptin is one of the primary hormones involved in weight regulation in the normal state. However, in obesity, it is a secondary hormone. Giving leptin doesn't make people thin. 
Human obesity is a disease of leptin resistance, not leptin deficiency. This leaves us with much the same question that we began with. What causes leptin resistance? What causes obesity? Well, I'm sure he'll get to that as that ends section two of the the Obesity Code by Dr. Jason Funk. So what did you think overall of this section? It was very difficult for me, honestly. Yeah. It was difficult. It's a a lot of words that mean nothing to me. And it was a lot of... I mean, it all made sense and I understood it, Mm -hmm. but it it didn't resonate. It didn't stick. And it was a lot of, um, yeah, redundant studies of like, mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. yes. How do you feel after discussing it though? Do you feel you understand it a little bit more? I mean, of course. I mean, yeah, I understand that, but, um, I but it's just it's kind of it's just, I don't know. It's just frustrating yeah. in a way. Yeah. Like, come on, come on, fung. Come on, fung. Put the put the fun in fung. Well, I think the next section will be really fun. I hope so. Because we're the next section is a new model of obesity, where and the first chapter is a new hope. So this is where we finally get some. That's episode four. Sure. It's a, it's a Star Wars joke. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, a new hope. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> a new hope. Um, this is where he starts to talk about insulin resistance, which okay. we'll come to find. Which is the whole point of his book. Yeah, we talk about insulin and cortisol. Ah. Because as we come to find, obesity is a multifaceted hormonal state. Though <laughs> so there's so many, so many... So many factors that contribute to obesity, just like with heart disease, you know, family history. Like, there's so many factors. So, right, we will get there. All right. I can't wait. Well, until we get there, we have some mm-hmm. some business to address. Oh, you we? always come hot off the press oh. with everyone's favorite keto news. Oh, you want keto news? Do you have ketone news? <laughs> huh? Ketone news? I got the ketones right here. Mm. So, as reading uh, Insider. Oh, I love Insider. You do. No, they cover the. No, I don't know what it is. But <laughs> what is it? A is it a magazine? Is it that that celebrity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Celebrity Insider, Inside Edition. Uh, Inside Edition <laughs> with Deborah Norville. Okay, I don't know go, what it go on. But um, here's a headline for you. Mm. A cardiologist is begging patients to avoid the high-fat keto diet because their cholesterol levels could skyrocket. Um, But will they? Well. (laughs) What documentary uh, talked about this? Was it Fathead? um, That we covered where he said, yeah, cholesterol goes up, but it's the good cholesterol. Right. Yeah, that was, I know Fathead for sure. Um, okay, so tell me about this article. Get me all angry. You love to do it. I do. Um, so, keto, very famous, very popular right now. All the stars are doing it. The Kardashians to Halle Berry and deep into the Silicon Valley. Tech workers swear by its ability to lift their mental fog. Uh-huh. Doctors are also starting to believe the plan holds promise for staving off diabetes. Uh-huh. There's even evidence to suggest it could help drugs better combat cancer. Okay. I think also, well, okay. It just right. itself combats cancer. Right. But okay. Um, but this cardiologist, Elizabeth Clotus, Clotus, K-L-O-D-A-N, sure. 
says not all of her patients have done well on this trendy plan. Stop, stop, she told the insider. In my own practice, the people that have adopted it, their cholesterols can just go crazy. I'm about to. <laughs> also, I love like the highly medical terminology of just like, <laughs> like, like I don't, I don't see a Doctor Fung saying like, "Oh, their cholesterols just went crazy." Right. It's <laughs> not how a doctor talks. In layman's terms. <sighs> oh my gosh. Um. However, I'm reading this along with you and. Well, Ethan Weiss, a cardiologist who himself became an ardent follower of the plan, says that while high cholesterol isn't a common issue with keto, it can happen. Just like it can happen, you know, with anything. Because cholesterol also has many contributing factors, like obesity or anything else. Um, And also has many facets. It does. Uh, The vast majority of people who will go on this diet will have no trouble with their cholesterol. But I'm not going to tell people that they... Um, that do have trouble with their cholesterol, that it's not a problem. Right. <laughs> he sometimes suggests high-fat keto plans for his patients who are working on managing diabetes, obesity, and other metabolic issues. Um, okay. But. <laughs> um, and, and Clotus said that these were all helpful additions to any diet um, because she, like... They're talking about doing like a heart healthy keto with fatty with like which to me sounds more Mediterranean by prescribing like fatty fish, olive oil, nuts, and avocado. Mm-hmm. Instead of like bacon burger, cheese. Which like you can which, do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um Variety is a spice of life. Mm-hmm. I say. Yeah. Perhaps this is why studies show that people who follow low-carb diets tend to have a higher risk of death <gasps> and oh in particular God. die from coronary heart disease far more often than people who eat more carbs. Lies and the lying liars who tell them the lies they tell. I'm so over it. low-carb will restrict their carb intake this much. So, and they do... Oh, my God. Do they, and they do cite some kind of link to something but so like that it makes it look like they're going to take you to a study that shows you where this higher risk of death has happened but when you click on it it just takes you to an ad so what uh-huh for real where is this another article oh here okay higher risk of death and in particular tend to die from coronary heart disease I don't get the ad. For me, I click on it. It just takes me to an ad. I'm like, no, it takes me to another article. Okay, good. From Business Insider. Oh, well. A study presented, uh, study the eating patterns of 24,825 people in the U.S. over a decade um, from the lowest to high carb diets. Mm -hmm. The Americans in the bottom 25 of the pack who ate barely any carbs had a 32% higher risk of death from any cause than those who had the higher carb intakes. They also found that low-carb dieters had a 51% increase of dying from coronary heart disease and a 35% increased risk of dying from from? cancer. Um, This is from uh, the European... It was presented at the European Society of Cardiology. Okay. Um, But I've yet to see... I'll have to click on that. A study presented. See? 
uh, the European Society of Cardiology, uh, who did this study. Uh, the Medical University of Lodz, Poland. Okay. Um, like. But he studied Americans? Okay. What, Whatever. I, what I wanted to get to at the bottom of this is. Oh, uh, he references Dr. Fung's studies, by the way. Oh, that's interesting. Coming full circle. Uh-huh. Um, so if you go down to the bottom of this article, there's Elizabeth Clotus trying to sell us a program. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, why am I not surprised? Let me look up this Excuse Dr. Me. Elizabeth Clotus. Is cardiology is not paying enough that you're selling us step one foods? Snake oil? Right, basically. Step one foods. Wow. When you Google her name, Dr. Elizabeth Clotus. This is just an ad for her. It takes you to her plan. Yeah. Oh, my God. She founded the Preventative Cardiology Consultants in 1999. <laughs> wow. Does that not... Then this is why I hate... Then this is also why you have to be so careful in research and finding your research and reading from credited sources. I like Healthline. I like NIH studies. Um you know, but a lot of these articles I've are seen this woman. just paid. F- they're not real. They're they're just people paying for some kind of article to be written so that they can promote a product. So just be super, super careful with your research. Yeah. What sage advice you have? Oh, it, it makes my blood boil. Okay, so <laughs> cardiologists are out to make more money than yeah, they already like, have. you're a cardiologist. Isn't that enough job for you? You need more I job? Gotta, I, look, look. I got a job for her. <laughs> I won't go into de- detail. Ugh, I can't. Well. But she can choke on one. With, with that. <laughs> Does that end our, I think our day? So. Our time together? Yes. Until next time when we'll discuss part three. Yes. Um, which I think is, we went over, is something we just read and I already forgot. Because apparently now I'm calling <laughs> the new model of obesity, a new hope. The new model of obesity, <laughs> a new hope. Um, okay. But yeah. Well, I'm excited to read it and then to come back here and discuss it with you. Oh, I'm excited too. In the meantime... Where can everyone find you on the gram? You can find me at Liz.everfasting, and you are? Oh. Oh, you'll find me at Keto.Colin. Oh, cool. And together we can be found at, at the Keto Cult Pod. The Keto Cult Pod. That's right. So be sure to follow us there. And if you have mm-hmm. enjoyed this podcast, and if you have made it this far in this podcast. Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> bless you. And you, You're a trooper. You must be some kind of ravenous fan. And there may be something wrong with you. But maybe you want to rate and review. Be- oh, that might be nice. That would be really nice because it helps other people find our podcast. And hopefully make us billionaires in the process. Right. But also spread the teachings of Fung <laughs> so that people oh, that- know that their Fitbits are lying to them. You literally could hand you could hand two boxes to Liz, one saying, you're going to get a billion dollars. The other one say. Dr. Fung's going to make an extra 16 bucks and she'll get Dr. Fung that extra 16 bucks. You know what? He's worked really hard, okay? <laughs> he needs it. Uh, but going back to Instagram, there's one place where keto lives. And until next time. 
We'll see you in the stories. Bye. Bye.